many times have you celebrated your 39th birthday? When age 50 creeps up on us, we deny it, hide it, and do everything we can to ignore each birthday that comes after. But why? Let's celebrate our voices of experience. Whether you're passing 50, passing 60, or approaching another decade, we've got great discussions and guests to help you embrace every year you've got under your belt. If you're passing 50 or more, pull up a chair. We've got something just for you. Now, here's your host, Robin Boyd. Hello there and welcome to Passing 50. This is Robin Boyd with you today. And in this episode, I want to begin a conversation about cancer and other serious illnesses that we face and survive. If you're listening to this podcast on a bright sunny day, I hope you have your sunscreen on and you're protecting yourself and your family from those rays. This episode is actually an interview that I had with a gentleman from Norris Cotton Cancer Center in New Hampshire, specifically talking about skin cancer. Many years ago, I may have shared this with you already, but um, uh, years ago, I had a bout with cancer. It wasn't skin cancer, but it was Hodgkin's lymphoma. My children were in junior high at the time. I was, I am still, of course, a wife, but I was a wife. But I also, at the time, was taking care of my mom. I was her caretaker. So at one of the most busiest times of my life, this was something that I was not ready to face, but obviously I had to. Now, I do want to say right from the get-go, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a nurse, I'm not a healthcare professional. So anything that I share or that we share with you on this podcast or any of the subsequent ones, uh, subsequent ones that um, I would like to uh, continue as far as a series on this is sharing of information and hopefully a resource for you to then begin a conversation with your doctor. It, there was so much that I learned on my journey and hopefully could be of help to you uh, if you're facing some similar challenges. For example, at that time, for me, there were many health management choices that I needed to make. Um, if my kids wanted me to go to a softball game, for example, maybe that meant that I needed to take a nap earlier in the day or or maybe ask my neighbor to go to, to the store for me so that I could reserve my energy to participate in the things that were most important for me. It required a lot of self-discipline, but I feel, I honestly feel that it was things like that that helped me process through my illness and afforded my body the best chance to survive. I had a very enlightening conversation with uh, Stephen Berkeley that I want to share with you today. Whether it's a hot, sunny summer day or a bright winter, sunny day on a ski slope, our conversation hopefully will have some good food for thought for you. We're talking being outdoors and we're talking about being in the sun. 
and one of the most, of course, um, vulnerable things we are to is uh, skin cancer because of our exposure to the sun. And my guest today is uh, Stephen Berkeley. He is the communications coordinator for the Norris Cotton Cancer Center right here in uh, New Hampshire, in Lebanon, New Hampshire. Now, on their website, before I say hi to uh, Steve, I'm going to read a little something on their page concerning skin cancer. It says, the rates of malignant melanoma and other skin cancers are rising in the United States, and childhood sunburns may be the cause. Apparently, there's some research being done on on this issue. In fact, it says, reducing sunburns and exposure to UV radiation among children under the age of 18 can, or maybe we should say could, prevent 90% of skin cancers later in life. That is a staggering statistic. And if anything, um, getting your kids to get into that habit right from the get-go when they're very little to know that the sun can be harmful, but it doesn't mean that they need to stay in and play video games all day long. So we're going to uh, explore some topics about skin cancer today. As I said, my guest today is Stephen Berkeley uh, from the Norris Cotton Cancer Center in Lebanon, New Hampshire, and he's responsible for both internal and external communications, including patient inform- information, research stories, press releases, and articles published in the Cancer Center's online newsletter called Focus, which is what I just read from. Um, we'd like to say welcome, Steve. Are you there? Yes, I am. Hi, Robin. How are you? Hi. Great. It's, to... it's great to finally meet you. <laughs> yes, it is. I need, I need to say two things right at the outset. Uh, first, um, I'm talking to you from home, and I've got a couple of big dogs that enjoy barking. Uh, in fact, we've got a guest in the house. So we may uh, have their voices immortalized on the Internet here uh, on occasion. Steve, uh, the I'll second... tell you right now, this is talk radio. We've had dogs. We've had kids. <laughs> okay, <We've> had... <laughs> well, We've you know how it is in... You know how it is in New Hampshire. We love our dogs. And, uh, <laughs> um, the second thing I need to say, and I need to be absolutely clear about this, is I, I am not a physician and I'm not a clinician. Um, so uh, your listeners should always, if they have questions about uh, any kind of cancer, in fact, questions about any kind of health matter, they should always consult with their physician. Um, you know, doing research is great, and conversations like this is a great way to pass along some good information, and uh, patients are becoming more and more informed every day. But always, uh, 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 there's no replacement for a conversation with your doctor. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that networking does help with uh, in in that, yes, you're, you're absolutely right, and I certainly do not want us to, sort, to be uh, perceived as being the authoritative. We're just sharing experiences. But there's oftentimes things that we experience as patients that um, someone else doesn't even know to ask about when they do go to the doctor because uh, all of us know – you get in that office, you wait, 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 and then you're in there with the guy or the gal, and they say anything else, and you say nope, and boom, they're gone. You say, oh, I should have asked about this, I should have asked about that. Yeah. So one of the things that we always say is t- start taking some notes. 
But, for example, uh, when I went through my ordeal, I had a port, and we discovered that the port was one of the best ways for me to receive a particular um, medication that I was on chemo uh-huh. when I was on chemo. And I visited with someone who had just been diagnosed, and I said, ask them about this, ask them about that. And this fellow said, you know what? He never mentioned a port. And the next time he went in, he asked, is this right for me? And they said, you know, this might be the right thing for you. So, so many times, I'm not saying that obviously your friend is going to know more than your physician, but I think if we have some some questions to ask when we're there, is this right for me? Would I be okay by taking this if, if it's Coke, if Coca-Cola, if it's um, can I take an antacid? You know, all of those kinds of things are the things you've got to bring up when you, when you visit with your doctor. There's some um, I, I I I completely agree, and you know there is a load of terrific information uh, that's available on the internet. Now, there's a lot of other information that's available on the Internet, too, um, and kind of sorting the, the wheat from the chaff can be difficult sometimes. But at some point in this program or in this hour, we'll talk about some, um, some Internet resources that uh, your listeners can use uh, to find out um, uh, some, some scientifically valid information about skin cancers and prevention and stuff that uh, may provide them with uh, the kind of information that you're talking about so that when they do go in and see their doctor, um, they, they, they have some questions and um, uh, some specific things that they want to ask, ask about. Every, sure. every, every patient is individual. Every health case is individual. In exactly. fact, for that matter... Research is showing that every cancer is individual. So Isn't that true? You, you, yeah. You, you can't ever really have too much information um, a, 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 about these uh, health situations. And things are changing. You you open up a magazine or, or, or whatever, you see something new. And there again, you don't want to just go and get the crazy 800 number and call for, for medical advice, but you certainly want to know where can I go uh, to to read up a little bit on this. And then, of course, whatever you read, you've got to go and... Um, and chat with your doctor about it. Uh, and the thing is, is that there are times that um, they, this discussion, they may say, well, you know what, this isn't quite right for you, and this is why. So uh, though, at least assuring you that, no, you shouldn't be doing this or taking that, um, that conversation still needs to happen, too. Uh, that's, a, that's, that's, a, that's a very important point, Robin. Um, like I said, uh, research is showing increasingly that uh, cancer is highly individualistic, and um, so. you and I could have uh, could both be diagnosed with the same type of cancer, um, right. but in fact, your cancer is particular to you and, yeah. and your body and your cells, and my cancer is particular to me. So, right. what Steve, might before, be before we go on? I'm so sorry, we've got a break coming up. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll have three of those during the show. This happens to be the first one. We do have a commercial break coming up, so stay right where you are. We have lots more of this conversation right after this on Passing 50. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's merging. 
have a book titled The Art of Doing Nothing by Veronica Bien in our guest room by the bed. I'm telling you, this book is an impossible challenge. In the state of Maine, it's said that someone who bottoms chairs for a living is lazy, presumably because one's bottom is perpetually in the chair. To sozzle means to laze around or perform a task in a sloppy way. The word is mainly found in New England. A quote from 1848 describes the term as used by housekeepers in certain parts of Connecticut to refer to a lazy person. Other words for lazy people are abbey lovers, scabberlatchers, and slaughter pooches. To me, the ultimate love lolly is someone who is too lazy to even fake like they're working. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. A couple of minutes older, a couple of minutes wiser. We're back to a great discussion on Passing 50. Welcome back to Passing 50. This is Robin Boyd with you today. We're talking about cancer, specifically in this episode, skin cancer. So let's um, get back to our conversation with Steve Berkeley from the Norris Cotton Cancer Center in New Hampshire. And you're also, you are an author as well, is that correct, Steve? Well, I, I'm, a, I'm a reporter and journalist, and uh, I've been a magazine journalist uh Oh gosh, I'm uh, almost embarrassed to admit for how long it's been, but um, it's <laughs> it's been. Uh, let me count up. Almost 35 years. And, oh, you were brave uh, to admit it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I've uh, written about a lot of different subjects. Um, I'm uh, have been a correspondent for the Economist magazine in London, which is uh, sort of the British version of Time magazine, but it, it, mm. it covers world affairs and uh, a lot of other publications. But I really enjoy writing about uh, health issues and uh, cancer in particular for the Norris Cotton Cancer Center. Um, the cancer the Norris Cotton Cancer Center is one of just 41 uh, comprehensive cancer centers, and that's a specific designation from the National Cancer Institute. Mm. And to earn that designation, um, you have to have a research component um, and also a clinical component and an education component. Mm-hmm. So these things uh, all work together um, to further cancer research and, and treatment and also to train the next generation of, of, of cancer physicians. So it's, a, um, it's an important center, um, and it's the only one of its kind in northern New England. Uh, so we draw patients from... Uh, New Hampshire, Vermont, uh, even upstate New York and Maine, huh? and uh, uh, also uh, sometimes from western Massachusetts. Um, wow. We have a great number of specialties. Um, we have a renowned uh, 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 bone marrow uh, transplant um, program and uh, uh, breast cancer uh, program. So it's, 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 it's really been a pleasure to get to know the physicians and the researchers at, uh, at Norris Cotton. Absolutely. And is the, there's um, a school of medicine up there, the, the Dartmouth College, and the, is it Giselle School of Medicine? Yeah, uh, is that uh, all actually, part of the same campus? Or? Yes. Um, Dartmouth College, uh, which uh, your uh, listeners are going to recognize the name of, um, it's in Hanover, and uh, it is home to the oldest medical school in the United States. 
Uh, now, the medical school actually was just renamed um, a few months ago, and it's now called the Geisel School of Medicine at Dartmouth, and that's after Theodore Geisel, who some of your listeners may know. Uh, Theodore Geisel was the actual proper name of Dr. Seuss. Oh, and, of course. Uh, and Dr. Seuss was a, uh, a, a student at Dartmouth in the 1920s, and he maintained a long-running connection with the college. And uh, his estate uh, gave a very generous gift to the uh, to the medical school, and um, and the medical school then was named in his honor. It's really it's really a, a, a wonderful thing, and um, uh, to to know that. Those wonderful, these spectacular children's books that are beloved by children all over the world. Uh, uh, I grew up with them. My kids grew up with them. My grandkids are growing up with them. And, you know, generations on from now are going to enjoy those books. And the legacy uh, of Dr. Seuss is enormous. And part of it is in the oldest medical school in the United States. That's phenomenal. That's that's really warm and fuzzy, isn't it? (laughs) Yeah, it is. It is. You know, who knew that the cat in the hat, uh, you know, was also interested in cancer? But that's true. Um, Anyway, the the Norris Cotton Cancer Center sort of uh, uh, bridges two landing points. And one is uh, the Geisel School of Medicine at Dartmouth. And then the other is the Dartmouth-Hitchcock Medical Center, where all of our uh, clinical um, uh, cancer care takes place. I see. And with research and development, you must need funding. And I understand you had something very exciting over the weekend, didn't oh, you? Thank you for asking about that. Oh, yeah, funding is, is always a, a, a need. And like uh, cancer centers um, everywhere in the United States, uh, we have an organization that helps raise funds for us, ours is called Friends of Norris Cotton Cancer Center, and just on Saturday, we held our annual um, uh, largest fundraising event of the year. It's called the Proudy, and uh, what it is is a uh, event where people can <clears throat> ride various distances on a bicycle up to 200 miles. Oh my! Or they word. can. Oh yeah, and or they can walk. Uh, various distances, or they can even row um, on the Connecticut River uh, various distances and, and raising money and getting pledges uh, for, the, for the distances that they ride. Um, it's called the Proudy uh, because the roots of this um, uh, marvelous event go back to a cancer patient named Audrey Proudy, who was at the cancer center uh, back in the early 1980s. She was a, an extraordinary person, um, very inspirational. And after she eventually succumbed to cancer, four nurses who were so moved by her, uh, and she was their patient, they decided that they would ride their bicycles 100 miles through the White Mountains of New Hampshire and raise money for cancer research. Wow. And that was, that was in 1982. And they raised four thousand uh, dollars on that that first event. Well, since then the Proudy has grown and grown and grown. <clears throat> and uh, in fact, on Saturday, uh, as of the, uh, the day of the Proudy, we had raised just this year two point four million dollars for really? the cancer center. Yes, and oh. overall, um, the Proudy event has raised more than sixteen million dollars. 
uh, for cancer research and patient services uh, at Norris Cotton Cancer Center. So this wow. woman, uh, Audrey Prouty, has left um, an amazing legacy that she doesn't even know about, but that has helped patients throughout northern New England. And in a nice little bit of serendipity, um, her the town that she lived in is a small town uh, called uh, Warren, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. which is in, in the Lakes region. And it also happens to be the boyhood town of Norris Cotton himself. Really? Uh, who, wow. Who, um, who was, uh, uh, became an elected member of Congress from New Hampshire mm-hmm. and then uh, became a senator. And, as he, and when he was a senator, uh, he secured the funding that established the cancer center that is now named in his honor. So this little town, Warren, New Hampshire, and if anybody uh, knows about it, it's got a rocket right in the middle of town, which is <laughs> sort of its, its famous or infamous landmark. Anyway, Warren, New Hampshire has uh, an amazing connection to the Cancer Center, and it's just a small little town, and, and, and we all love it, and, uh, and it's, it's warm in our hearts because of, of Audrey Prouty and Norris Cotton. Well, out of something so small comes something so amazingly important and changing the lives of, of hundreds of thousands of people. I, I can't even imagine the uh, volume of people that have been um, – treated and uh, successfully treated at at your facility. Um, Tens of thousands of patients a year, yes. (laughs) It's just astounding. Um, One of the things that uh, we were talking uh, in the first segment about how cancer is unique to every individual, um, and specifically talking about cancer, how often do does the um, cancer center recommend that people actually uh, go and perhaps get checked for for skin lesions? Or I, I know that there is um, probably different things that we see on our skin, and we say, "Ooh, is this something we should check out?" Or I mean, is there um, a specialist that we should see right off the bat? Or well, that's a that, that's a recommend? great question, Robin. Um, that, 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 that's a terrific question. Um, it's a little bit different than uh, skin cancer is a little bit different than like going in for an annual mammogram or you know, prostate uh, exam um, because you can see your skin. And uh, the the thing to pay attention to that uh, uh, your listeners need to pay attention to, and again, let me remind uh, people that I'm not a doctor or a clinician. Um, so they should talk to their doctor about this, but is, is to look for changes. You know, most people have freckles and have moles, and, mm-hmm. you know, we're all kind of familiar with them and where they are. And, uh, you know, we kind of, after a while, you're so accustomed to living with them that you, that you don't make any notice uh, of them. But um, you should, you know, from time to time, just take a look and say, you know, is that mold that I've always had on my leg, is it, is it getting any bigger? Is it, you know, changing or, or not? And uh, if, it, if it is, then it's time to go to your dermatologist or, you know, first to your primary care physician, if that's the most convenient for you, or to a dermatologist and have it checked out. Hmm. Because I think so many times you, you just say, oh, uh, it'll go away or, oh, you know, I just, um, I must have scratched myself or whatever. And those are the kinds of things that I guess we really should be, like you say, in tune with what our bodies right. look, look like. You know, 
You know, the, the human skin is really an amazing thing. It's, uh, I, I mean, when you consider all that it does, it, uh, first of all, it covers our body and holds us together. Mm. Um, you know, second of all, it protects us from harmful rays of the sun. Um, it, it, it also protects us from heat and from cold. It, uh, it produces sweat to, to cool us down. It also produces oils to keep the skin supple. It's made up of cells. It's, a, it's this living thing that is constantly changing. It grows with us and, uh, and changes as, as the human body changes in size. At the same time, think about everything that we subject our skin to. You know, no one would ever think about, let's say, dipping their liver in turpentine or, you know, <laughs> I know. or their, or their Steve, brain, we, in, we... brain into paint thinner. And yet, you know, anybody who's ever used oil-based paints has, you know, gotten some turpentine on their skin. I'm sorry to interrupt the conversation at this point. We've got another break coming up, but do stay right where you are. I'll be back with Steve Berkeley right after this on Passing 50. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. It's marching Did you realize that Twitter is over 10 years old? Twitter was first launched in March of 2006 with the hashtag feature appearing about a year and a half later. Twitter employs more than 2,700 people around the world. Today, there are over 241 million active users on Twitter, with an average of 500 million tweets per day. Now that's a lot of traffic. A lot of new words have been coined from the Twitter app. Uh, Tweetheart is your Twitter boyfriend or girlfriend, and Twitterphoria is the feeling you get when they tweet you back. If you don't want to feel like a twittiot when you tweet, there's a whole list of proper twetiquette available. At first, Eve and I was a bit of a Twitterphobe, but if you want to follow me at Too Funny Carolyn, that would be twittastic. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Word. Did you get up and stretch during the break? Great! Now you're ready for the next part of our discussion on Passing 50. We are back and so glad you're with us. This is Robin Boyd with you today on Passing 50. And with me today is Steve Berkeley. He is the communications coordinator for the Norris Cotton Cancer Center in Lebanon, New Hampshire. And Steve, before the break, we were talking about how wonderful our skin is, uh, that we, we can see things with our skin. We, we see the wonderful things that we, we, <laughs> we are blessed with, but then also we see the things that make us worry. And I guess those are the times that we have to say, all right, I need to protect this wonderful skin of mine. Um, and I think everybody is inundated with information about sunscreens. But what does Norris Cotton give us for advice as far as uh, skin protection? Well, um, you can't use too much sunscreen, and it should be SPF 30 or higher. And uh, you you should put it yes, and you should put it on uh, really. It should just become a habit of going outside. Uh, now, obviously, you don't need sunscreen at night, 
Um, but between the hours of 10 a.m. and 4 p.m. in particular, uh, when the sun is at its strongest, uh, sunscreen is really uh, a, a, a necessary protection. The, the best news about sunscreen, though, is that it is the, one of the most effective cancer prevention tools that you can use, and at the same time, it's the cheapest. Wow, so, it sure is. Uh, yeah, that, that's right. Kids especially should get in the habit of just thinking that, uh, you know, putting on sunscreen before going outside is, is, is part of, you know, just putting on your shoes to run outside. Mm-hmm. It needs to be that same kind of regular habit. Because research has shown that uh, sunburns, <clears throat> and bad sunburns, uh, can be a source of eventual skin cancer later in life. Now, you know, all of us kind of, you know, smile and remember terrible sunburns that we've had in our childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, but, it, 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 you know, it, too much exposure to the sun without any protection, you're exposing your skin, which, as we were saying, is this amazingly marvelous part of our bodies. It, it, we're exposing our skin to too much ultraviolet radiation from the sun. The sun, you know, the sun provides us with vitamin D. It makes things grow. It's it's. It's necessary to all life on on planet Earth, and at the same time, too much sun uh, is not a good thing. So we have to strike a balance. Fortunately, we've come up with this great tool, sunscreen, uh, mm-hmm. that allows us to enjoy the benefits of the sun and mitigate, uh, um, you know, the harm. So. Uh, also, I should mention that sunscreen is an important thing to put on uh, exposed skin during the winter, too. Um, the, uh, the sun may be lower in the sky during the winter, but if you live in an area such as New Hampshire, which is, has a snowy climate in the winter, on a sunny day uh, in snow country, that is a lot of sunlight and reflected sunlight that's just all aimed right at your skin. Now, most of your skin will be covered up because it's cold, but we all have some exposed skin, and it's really important to put um, sunscreen and lip balm on exposed skin uh, in, in the wintertime as well as in the summer. And interestingly, I read an article, and I think it was Family Circle, um, this this past month. I think it was the June issue. One of the things that they were saying is um, – that she didn't think that she she thought she was protecting herself because she was using her skin cream, but she was only using it on her face. She was not um, using it on her ears or if you have a bald spot, if you're a gentleman, you might need to put it there as well. Oh, it, it, absolutely. It's any exposed skin. And, you know, it, it, we get kind of tricked uh, by our own skin because... As we know, some parts of our skin are more sensitive to others. I mean, you know, we all we know that from tickling. You know, we're 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 ticklish on the bottom of our feet, but not on the tops of our feet. So, so our our skin is more sensitive in different ways. And um, you think, oh, you know, my face. I've got to protect my face. But you know, how many mm-hmm. people think about their earlobe or earlobes, as you said, or the back of their neck, um, right. you know, uh, or, or the palms of their hands. And um, any area that is exposed to sunlight is at risk for burning. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be covered with uh, sunscreen. Every spot. I mean, women's cleavage, women uh, may have um, their the backs of their shoulders. It is true. And oh, yeah. And we- 
we're so concerned about our our face needing, and we think, oh, well, we don't need it in other places. Um, you know, you? Um, I, I, oh, I was going to say, uh, I was also going to say, you know, one place where a lot of people do not put sunscreen, but is particularly susceptible to burns is in the summertime when you wear sandals. Uh, people don't oh. put <clears throat> uh, sunscreen on the tops of their feet. Good and, point. you know, and then after a day in the sun, you know, you're going, wow, my feet really hurt. And you look down and they're bright pink um, and you've gotten a terrible burn. It's, it, it's sensitive skin because most of the time your foot is covered up, you know, by socks and shoes. Sure. Uh, but, uh, you know, on, on sunny, warm days, we're out there in sandals and, you know, we're exposing that uh, uh, otherwise fairly sensitive skin to, mm-hmm. uh, to, to direct uh, ultraviolet radiation. So sunscreen is really important on, your, on uh, any exposed skin, uh, including, including your feet and your toes. Have you seen any articles or uh, information about some of these preventative fabrics that uh, I know when I was going through uh, my journey, there I would get a lot of stuff in the mail. And there was one company whose hats had an extra UV uh, element to them, and so did their, their shirts, their T-shirts, their um, little cover-ups over your bathing suit. Do you know anything about those? Uh, I, I, I don't know a great deal, um, and I, I couldn't ever uh, in, endorse any particular sure. product over oh, another one. Right. But it, 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 the important thing there is actually just the fabric itself. It's covering mm-hmm. up the skin, and, um, and, and, and just covering the skin uh, does, a, does a great job. Um, that's why, you know, it's so important to wear a hat um, outside in, in the bright sunlight I see so many people, though, um, you know, they're wearing a baseball-type hat. And mm-hmm. they say, well, I've got a hat on. You know, my head's protected. Well, yes, but a baseball hat's not going to protect the top of your ears. And right. And it's not going to protect the back of your neck. Um, uh, those of us who do a lot of hiking in the mountains, uh, you know, and you get up into high elevations and you're even more exposed uh, to bright ultraviolet radiation, uh, we wear, um, you know, wide-brimmed hats where the brim mm-hmm. uh, shades our ears and the back of our neck as well. But, um, yeah, just covering up with, 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 with fabric and uh, uh, I, I don't have the research right at my fingertips about how the um, uh, treated fabric, if it, 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 how much it improves the protection or not. But I would say any kind of clothing that covers the skin, that's, that's a step in the right direction. Absolutely. I, in my mind, I was thinking, okay, this is just something to, for, to get me to spend money on because it was, <laughs> I, I sort of felt vulnerable. And I'm thinking, okay, everybody who thinks that I'm going to jump into their, <laughs> into their product because I, it's, a, um, it's going to save me from further cancer. I, I don't know. Maybe that's just the, the uh, suspicious thing. The, maybe I get a little paranoid in me but i i kind of wonder if if spending sixty dollars on a shirt because it's supposed to have higher uv uh elements to it would do any better than if i just put on a cotton shirt that's just going to be a cover-up i don't know and i don't mean to dismiss a good product in fact like you say i don't want to endorse or or put down a product but i guess we need to talk to the doctor about it our society is really of two minds when it comes to uh, exposure to the sun and suntans and sunburns we all know that a sunburn is bad because they're painful and and you know and and 
after the pain has disappeared, you know, our skin goes through that ugly peeling process. And mm. so, you know, nobody wants that. But, you know, we all want that kind of healthy glow. You know, no one wants to look pallid or pale or, you, you, you know, or it looks like you've lived in a cave for the last six months. You know, we all want to we've, – we've associated having a bit of a tan with being healthy. And there's all kinds of cultural references to that. Uh-huh. At, this, at the same time, we have uh, uh, other cultural references um, in reference to color of, uh, of the skin. And I don't, I don't mean racially here, but think of, the term red, think of the term redneck. Now, uh-huh. you know, redneck connotes all kinds of things, but what does it mean literally? It's, you know, you get a redneck from... Uh, if you're working uh, on a farm and wearing a feed cap and you're out in the sun all day, you get a sunburned neck, and that's, you know, your, your red neck. When I was a kid, uh, we used to make fun of other kids who had what we called T-shirt tans. Yes. Where, you know, their arms were tan, but, they're, but they're at, you know, their chest and their, and their stomachs were white. You know, that meant to us, and, you know, in that kind of cruel way that kids have, that meant to us that, Oh, gee, the kid hadn't gone to the beach or to the lake or anything like that. He had to work outside uh, wearing a T-shirt all the time. He must be, you know, yeah, you know, he, he doesn't have fun like we do down, down at the it. beach. Yeah. Steve, we've got our last break coming up uh, in okay. just about a minute. So on the other side, I'm wondering uh, if you can think about some success stories that you may have seen, especially when you do your events like the Proudy. I'm sure that there have been some amazing success stories. Yeah. So um, I think about that while we're on the break. And We want to make sure if you've missed any of this conversation or any of our shows here on Passing 50, please visit our website, Passing50.com. We're also on iTunes, so please find us there. And you can also find us at BeckMultimedia.com. Our show, as well as many of our sister shows on Beck Multimedia, will be there. Lots of great information and great podcasting. Also, if you'd like more information about our guest, Steve Berkeley or Norris Cotton Cancer Center, please go to Cancer.Dartmouth.com. Dot edu for a lot of information, a great reference, a great resource for you there. Stay tuned. We've got lots more after the break here on Passing 50. Stay right where you are. Passing 50 will be right back after these messages. Welcome to Geraldine Tegelove Live. The show that shares with you the secrets of redefining, reinventing, and rebuilding your life. Having pulled herself from the rubble of financial ruin and having gone on to create a highly successful career, Geraldine has become an expert in the art of transformation. She believes that it doesn't matter where you are right now, how overwhelmed you feel, or how impossible the task of turning your life around may seem. You can do it. Stay tuned as metaphysician, international best-selling author, and intuitive Geraldine Tegelov gives you the inner understanding and the outer practical how-to to create your amazing life. Gain a fresh perspective on how to redefine, reinvent, and rebuild your life. Join Geraldine Tegelov live every Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on the Toginet Radio Network. Want more information or hear other shows from Passing 50? 
check out our info page on beckmultimedia.com or our website, passing50.com. Now, let's get back to our discussion on Passing 50. We're back on Passing 50. This is Robin Boyd with you, continuing our conversation with Steve Berkeley from the Norris Cotton Cancer Center in Lebanon, New Hampshire. How about you, Steve? Where do you hail from? Uh, well, I'm originally from California, uh, but really? I live in I live in the White Mountains region of New Hampshire. And I'll, and I'll have to say this about New Hampshire: uh, we pack a whole lot in a pretty small space. <laughs> <laughs> we sure do. You've got a little bit of everything here. Yes, <laughs> yeah, regular, in, including including is- seacoast. So. <laughs> yes, yes, that little bit. We we have our little bit. We're very proud of our little bit of our seacoast. Our regular host is from California. So when she and I are on uh, together, she is on the West Coast and I'm on the East Coast. So we just kind of pull the country together. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and that's the beauty of internet radio is because we can be just about anywhere in the whole world and, and still be on on the show together. It is indeed. <clears throat> One of the things, I guess, that we want to encourage people is that is it's scary when you think there's something wrong. You might wait to go to the doctor, and you really shouldn't, because if there's something wrong, uh, skin cancer is pretty treatable. I, and I don't know if you have any statistics, Steve, as far as success rates or at least... Um, I, and, and not to compare it to other forms of cancer, possibly, but there's a lot we can do with skin cancer, isn't there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, let's let's talk about uh, a couple of numbers. Uh, as a matter of fact, um, mm-hmm. the National Cancer Institute estimates that uh, this year, in 2012. Um, uh, more than two million new cases of skin cancer are going to be diagnosed. Boy, is now, that scary? Yeah, that is scary. That's a big number, and those are new cases. But the uh, the, the the good news out of that, um, if, if you could call it this, mm-hmm. is that out of those two million cases, the number of deaths that will result is um, is less than a thousand. So wow. that that shows you um, <clears throat> not only that. Skin cancer, and there are various kinds of skin cancer. We'll talk about that in a second. Um, that n- n- not only is skin cancer um, eminently treatable, but also that research has gone so far in figuring out how best to treat um, skin cancer. Um, the, the, the various kinds of skin cancers are the, the one that perhaps most of your listeners are familiar with is uh, melanoma. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a kind of cancer that grows out of the pigment scale, uh, cells in uh, our skin. Um, it's, a cancer cell is a normal cell where, that something's gone wrong in, uh, a, a, a switch that would normally uh, kind of be flipped on to tell it to start beginning the, 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 the dying process to be replaced by a new healthy cell. That switch goes wrong. Mm-hmm. Something keeps growing. Um, so uh, melanoma is, is pigment uh, uh, cells gone haywire. By the way, 
Um, while people with darker skin uh, have uh, less uh, uh, rates of melanoma than people with fairer skin, um, they can still get melanoma. So mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's kind of across the board for human beings. Then there's um, basal uh, cell skin cancer, and uh, the, the, the basal cell skin, uh, or the basal cell layer of the skin is below the epidermis. So it's mm -hmm. kind of in, in there a little ways. And uh, basal cell um, uh, skin cancer usually uh, shows up in, in the areas of the skin that have been exposed to a lot of sun. And then there's finally squamous cell uh, skin cancer. Um, uh, and, and this is uh, sometimes a problem uh, in people with darker, darker skin. And, uh, yeah, and it's usually found in places that are not necessarily exposed to a, a lot of sunlight. One big reason why um, the rates of death from skin cancer are low compared to other cancers is because we see our skin and we can notice when something's not quite right. Right. And, um, you know, you, like we were saying before, we're all pretty familiar with our own personal moles and freckles and, you know, scars and things like that on our skin. And when something changes, um, we've all heard the excellent advice, and it still is true, when, when a mole or a freckle or some spot on your skin changes, then you go see a dermatologist or your doctor. And uh, there's various <clears throat> kinds of uh, tests that they can do uh, to find out whether um, uh, it's a, you know, you've got a problem or not. So that's, that's the most important um, piece of information that I can impart to your listeners today uh, is that, uh, you know, to take, a, to, you know, take a good look at your skin. It's, first of all, it's, it's this incredible thing. I mean, just sort of, you know, marvel at, it, at, at its wondrousness. And then, and then you know, take a good look and kind of memorize the, uh, the the map of your skin and where you know where you've got moles and freckles and spots and this and that because we all have them. Yeah. And uh, and just and just keep track of uh, what might change and what doesn't. Now, are squamous and basal cell uh, cancers typically uh, more? Are you more susceptible to those again due to say sun exposure or? Would that be something that you might be more predisposed to, either because of hereditary reasons or from other other reasons? Um, again, I'm not a physician or a clinician, I know that, yep. so, so I just yep. want to remind your listeners that um, uh, basal uh, cell skin cancer is from sun exposure. Um, uh, the others, you know, genetics are kind of always involved in these in these things. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cancer is just enormously complicated um, and it, it, as we were saying earlier in the program um, the research is increasingly shown that showing that um, each cancer is individual and uh, the, the the big drive right now in cancer treatment is to try and create or find and create a personalized cancer therapies that can address um, an individual patient's individual cancer. Wow, that's because, fascinating. Yeah, even if um, even if I have melanoma and you have melanoma, mm -hmm. um, and they and even if they look pretty much exactly the same, they're different. And mm -hmm. uh, and 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 the the specific kind of treatment that's going to work best for you might need to be altered a little bit. In my case, because of genetics and you know lifestyle and you know all sorts of other 
variable factors. Right. And the other way around, uh, I did not have any cancer in either side of my family, yet at the age of, let's see, how old was I? I was in my late 40s when I was diagnosed with Hodgkin's, which yeah. is not even a typical uh, the, a typical uh, age or demographic for Hodgkin's is young men in their 18 to 25 bracket. And for right. them to finally realize that here, this 40-something woman <laughs> that yeah. has no cancer history in her family anywhere, uh, they they finally were able to type it and say, oh, it's Hodgkin's. And, of course, my doctor was kind of funny because He's bouncing around. He's saying, I'm good news. You have Hodgkin's. And I'm thinking, laying on a biopsy table going, what is so good about you telling me I have cancer? But it was far more treatable than had it been a, a lymph, a, a, not a, a, another kind of cancer like a, a carcinoma. Or they, were, they were worried that it was a lung cancer is what they were worried about. So for him to determine that it was Hodgkin's, he was funny. And I was no. like, yay, I'm really thrilled. <laughs> yeah. Yay, it's Hodgkin's. Yeah, I know. But well, lo and behold, here I am that many years later, 12, 13, uh, some odd years later, and I'm still here to talk and laugh about it. So, Well, um, congratulations on, on, right. on, on being a, a, a wonderful uh, cancer survivor, Robin. It's exciting. Um, We've only got about three minutes, David. This, this okay. show has totally flown by. Real quick, if you can get, think of somebody who – did it, got through it, and succeeded. Um, someone we can all look up to. Ooh, like a celebrity name? Um, Not necessarily a celebrity. I think anybody who has been through it is a celebrity. They're a hero. Well, I, 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 yes, I, I can't think of any you know particular okay. person right off the, the the top of my head, but I can say that. Um, uh, uh, skin cancer, <laughs> there are more survivors of skin cancer than any other kind of cancer. And um, because it is very treatable and um, uh, uh, it, 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 to, uh, skin tumors, you know, it, it's, it's, most of them are not difficult to remove um, and, and can be treated. And people can go on, uh, you know, to, uh, to, to a long and happy life um, almost almost as if nothing ever happened. Now, if you have been treated for uh, skin cancer, um, you are susceptible to uh, a, a recurrence of, of, of cancer if you don't take care of yourself. So that's, yeah. the, that's, that's the key. And, and you know that from your Hodgkin's as well. Right. Um, you do have to make a few alterations in your life. The easiest one for skin cancer, just keep slathering on the, 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 the sunscreen. That's also the easiest thing to prevent skin cancer. So, and with you know, so many things in life that we have to worry about, if that's all that it is to relieve that one worry, <laughs> I think that's a pretty easy fix. <laughs> well, it's 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 the biggest first step in the right direction that you can take in cancer prevention, and it's also the cheapest. I mean, what could be better than that? <laughs> that's absolutely true, Steve Berkeley. It has been a delight to spend this hour with you. I want to uh, direct everyone to your website again, www.cancer.dartmouth.edu. The website is filled, filled with wonderful information, and even if you're not in the New Hampshire area, it is certainly going to give you lots of very very good information for you to turn around and bring to your physician wherever you are. Steve, thank you so much. Thank you, Robin. I really enjoyed this conversation. 
This was a wonderful opportunity to begin the conversation about cancer today, specifically about skin cancer. But we will have more conversations here on Passing 50 with doctors, with resources for you, and most importantly, with survivors. I think um, when you have met someone or have had the opportunity to talk with someone who has gone through a challenge that you're about to face, that inspiration, that focus on someone who has has gone through it is probably the one thing I know from my situation was the one thing that helped me stay focused on the end result, on the end success, to make sure that you are looking at the success, not um, getting overwhelmed with the duration. Um, and therefore, your body will be able to endure, will be able to uh, manage, will be able to do whatever it takes to get you so that you then are that successful survivor. One of the things that I did want to share with you, uh, there's a website, and you very well may have, have found this, Skin Cancer Foundation. Uh, it is skincancer.org. They, of course, have the basic reminders. They do want you to remember to seek shade uh, if you are one, especially one of those sensitive people. Uh, don't burn. Uh, as we said at the beginning of this show, um, it, keeping kids from burning very well may be uh, some statistics that they're they're finding very well may be the uh, one thing that's going to help them as adults to be able to be less of uh, a candidate for skin cancers later on in life. Try to avoid those tanning beds, those UV tanning beds. This particular Skin Cancer Foundation does not recommend them. I, I know some people uh, have been very successful with them. We're just saying be sure to check with your doctor. Make sure you know what your skin and what your body can handle or what you're vulnerable to. Uh, do use those broad-spectrum sunscreens with at least 15 or higher if you're going to be out for a long period of time. Remember to reapply them. I think we all get wrapped up in what we're doing, our day, our, our event are fun, you've got to remember to reapply it uh, and have somebody get those little spots, the backs of your ears. If you've got thinning hair, get the top of your head, get the back of your shoulders, the bridge of your nose. Those are the areas that are obviously exposed the most and are the thinnest. That skin is very, very thin and very tender. Remember the newborns in your family. Keep them out of direct sunlight. They don't uh, need to be in the sun. Their little their little bodies can't handle it yet. Examine your skin head to toe as uh, every month at least, so that you know or your spouse, your partner, um, have them look at the areas you can't see. And if you're on your way to the doctor and they see something on your back, you can't see it. But have them say, tell your doctor look at this part right in the small of your back. It's not looking right to me. It has changed. I've seen a change in it. So uh, definitely have your partner double check anything that looks suspicious and see your physician frequently. And as we get older, make sure that uh, dermatologic, dermatological, is that the way to say it? Your dermatologist uh, is also a part of your health regime. 
Thank you for spending this hour with me. I do appreciate it. And I look forward to another conversation very soon with you and another great guest right here on Passing 50. We're glad you spent this time with us today. Relax. Passing 50 isn't so bad, and every year after can be great, too. You're in good company. Passing 50 is a production of Beck Multimedia. Join us again for another great discussion right here on Passing 50. Passing 50.